This is the undiluted Word of God. Listen and be blessed. Let's go ahead and begin to lift his name high. The song says, let our king be lifted high. Let's open our mouths and begin to lift the name of the Lord high. Let's begin to bless his holy name. The Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Let's begin to say, Father, we lift your name on high. We exalt your name above every other name. We exalt your name above sickness. We exalt your name above diseases. We exalt your name above everything that is named on the surface of the earth. Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We honor your holy name. Let's open our mouths and begin to bless that mighty name. The Bible says at the mention of the name Jesus, every nail must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Let's begin to hallow that name. Let's begin to give that name reverence. Let's begin to give that name praise. Father, we bless your holy name. We lift your name on high. If you can speak in tongues, go ahead and speak in tongues. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Blessed, blessed be your holy name. Blessed, blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We are going to pray one prayer point before we go into the Bible study. You are going to pray and say, Holy Spirit, take control and speak a word to my heart. Let's open our mouths and begin to pray. That the Holy Spirit will take control tonight. And he will drop a living word in our heart. A word that will bear fruit to righteousness. Say, Holy Spirit, take control. Take control tonight, O God. Let your word come forth. Let your word find a space in my life. Let your word bring forth fruits unto righteousness. Let's open our mouths and begin to say, Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Ghost, we ask that you will take control. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Lord, we have come to give you glory, and to you shall all the glory be. Father, we pray that even as we gather at your feet tonight, our gathering will not be in vain. Because your word says, unto you shall the gathering of your people be. Father, we have come once again, not just to mark attendance, but to receive from you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that none of us will live yet the same way we came in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, take control. And at the end of the day, we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have praised. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Amen. Can we greet somebody beside us? Just greet somebody. Say good evening. I'm happy to see you in God's presence. Good evening. I'm happy to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of us are happy to be in God's presence this evening? The Bible says in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And with joy, you will draw from the rivers of salvation. I pray that we will live here with something tangible in the name of Jesus. I want to thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity once again to bring God's word to God's people. And also to thank the leadership, my daddies and my mommies. I pray that tonight God will use me as a vessel to bring his word to us in the name of Jesus. The topic before us tonight is living in his promises. And within the next maybe 25 minutes or 30 minutes, we'll be looking at living in his promises, in God's promises. 
And I want us to pay close attention because I believe that the Holy Spirit has something for every one of us that have come here tonight. When we talk about living in the promises, what does it mean to live? The first scripture that came into my mind when I had this topic was the book of John chapter 10 verse 10. If you can put it on the screen, that would be great. John chapter 10 verse 10, the Bible tells us that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus said in the B part, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It will interest you to know that Jesus was talking to people who were apparently alive. But he was saying that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus was not talking about the physical life. He was talking about something spiritual. And I was asking myself, what does it mean to truly live? And what does it mean to live this spiritual life? Because the topic before us is living in his promises. A lot of people, physically, it looks as if they are living. But when you check them spiritually, they are dead. If you look at the man called Adam, the day he walked out of the Garden of Eden, in his mind, I believe he thought he was still alive. But spiritually, Adam was dead. Now, just to give us a definition, to live in the promises, it means to have the life of Jesus and to be in the will of God. To live in the promises, it means to be born of the Spirit and to be located in the center of his purpose. And one of the prayers that my heart is praying for us tonight, and also for myself, is the prayers that Moses prayed for Reuben. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 6, Moses prayed a prayer specifically for Reuben. And Moses said, he said, let Reuben live, and let him not die, nor his people be few. He said, let Reuben live. And let him not die, nor his people be few. Now, when we look at the Bible, there are several examples of people who lived the kind of life that Jesus actually wants us to live. There are several examples of people in the Bible who lived the spiritual life, the life that is in God, the life of Christ. There is a song, um, I don't know if you know this song. The songwriter says, this life that I live is the life of God. How many of us have heard that song? Okay, two people. I will try to sing it. I don't have um, the best of voice, but I'll try. The song says, This life that I live is the life of God in me. This life that I have is the life of God. Zoe, 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 Zoe. Zoe, Zoe. I believe that this songwriter was talking about the kind of life that we should live as Christians. Apostle Paul said that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He said, but right now the life I live in the flesh is no longer I that lives, but Christ living through me. And I believe that as we are seated here, God wants to live through us. Now, just for the study tonight, we'll take one case study. And the case study we'll be taking is the man called Joseph. 
Joseph was a man who lived in the promises of God. And there are a couple of things I would want us to pick out from the life of Joseph. Because I know we are familiar with the story. Now let's turn our Bibles to Psalms 105 verse 17. That will be our text tonight. Psalm 105 verse 17. Psalm 105 verse 17. Okay. It's on the screen. It says, He... That's God himself. He sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18. He said, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. The next verse. Until the time that the word of the Lord came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Verse 22. To bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob dwelt in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. The Lord will make you stronger than your enemies in Jesus' name. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. 26. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. Praise the Lord. Now, when we look at Joseph, we might be tempted to think that it was his brothers that sold him into slavery, which is true, physically speaking. But the book of Psalms... In 105, the Lord began to open our eyes to see that what was happening to Joseph was actually by the hand of God. Psalm 105, verse 17, where we just read, it says, He sent Joseph. He sent, he said, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. When I was reading this place, I imagined that the father of Joseph would have regretted. Ah, if I had known, I wouldn't have sent my son on this errand. I believe that even some of his brothers, they began to regret at some point. The Bible recorded that Reuben, when Reuben came back to the pit where he had left Joseph, and he saw that Joseph was no longer there, the Bible said he tore his clothes and he wept. You will see scriptures telling us that when they stood before Joseph in Egypt, they didn't know it was Joseph, they stood before him and as everything was going on, they began to speak to themselves in Hebrew. That see now, see what has befallen us. We remember how this, our brother was crying in distress. And we refuse to hear his cry. Today now, this distress has come upon us. But if we look at the event and the life of Joseph from the eyes of the spirit, we will see that every step of the way, God was involved. Every step of the way, God was involved. When we look at Joseph, we might be tempted to think that, oh, Joseph's life, his dream, and everything began to find expression. You know, if we talk about Joseph, the part we like of Joseph's story is when Joseph arrived in the palace. And we might want to think that that was when he started living in God's promises. But as I began to study this character, I discovered that even when Joseph was in the pit, he was living in God's promises. Even when Joseph was in slavery in Potiphar's house when he was thrown into prison he was living in God's promises 
And that is why we must be careful how we understand this particular topic, living in God's promises. One would think, oh, when I'm in wealth, I'm in abundance, all my prayers are answered, that is when I am living in God's, pres- in God's promises. But this account tells us that Joseph, if you listen, if you read that story very well, you see that there was one theme that was common. And what was the theme? The Bible tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. When he was in slavery, the Lord was with Joseph. In the prison, the Lord was with Joseph. I've heard people say many times that, I mean, we would have heard this. See, they will tell a single person, marry and settle down so that you can start your life. How many of us have heard that? Have we heard that? Say, marry, settle down so that you can start your life. Sometimes you hear, I was listening to a lady, she was speaking, she said, I'm just trusting God that my son will come to the United Kingdom so that he can come and start his life. And as I was looking at this scripture tonight, or as I was looking at it before coming here, I discovered that life does not start with an event. Our Lord Jesus is the author of life. Life does not start with a place or with a location. Life actually starts with Jesus, who is the author of life. John chapter 6 verse 53 tells us, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. A man begins to truly start to live when he is born again. A man begins to truly start living when he is being guided by the Spirit of God. And I want us to look at it from that angle. The topic tonight says, living in God's promises. Living in God's promises. Our life starts at spiritual birth. Our life starts the day we surrender ourselves to Jesus and the day we ask him to take over. You know, as human beings, we are tempted to focus on the product. But God is interested in the process that leads to the product. All through Joseph's journey, as long as he was in God, he was living in the promises of God. And I think that's something we must take home tonight. That as long as we are in God... As long as we love the Lord, as long as we live a life that is guided by the Spirit, we are living in the promises of God. So let's not say, oh, it is when I buy a big house or when I retire with a fat account. That is when I have started living in the promises of God. No. If you are born again, You are filled with the Spirit of God, and the Lord Jesus is leading you day by day. He's living through you. You are already living in the promises of God. I pray that the Lord will help us to begin to live in his promise in Jesus' name. Now, why did God allow Joseph to pass through all the things that he passed through? I discovered four things. That number one, when a man goes through process, the first thing that will happen is it helps you to know who God is. Process will help you to know who God is. It is in situations that we really find God when men desert us. Number two, process will help you to see who you are. Joseph began to discover himself, and he discovered himself progressively. You know, there was a time he said, I had a dream. And when he dreamt that dream, he said, I saw my sheaf, that is my plant, standing And all your plants were bowing down to my own plants. And the Bible tells us that Joseph dreamt another dream again. So the process of Joseph's life helped him to know who God was. Helped him to know himself. 
and it also helped him to reveal who men are. It was the situations that happened in the life of Joseph that revealed who his brothers were to him. And many times, God really wants us to see. He wants us to see ourselves, what we are capable of doing. He also wants us to see those that are around us. I read one quote somewhere that when things are good, people will know you. But when things are bad, it is now your turn to know people, who people really are. I believe that everything that happened in the life of Joseph, number one, helped him to see who God was. Number two, it helped him to see who he was. Number three, it also helped him to see who men truly are. And until all of this is completed, Joseph was not introduced or revealed to the world. Brothers and sisters, tonight, I want to encourage us with these words. That if the Lord is going to announce us to the world, if the Lord is going to help us to maximize our destiny, these three things need to happen. We must know the Lord. We must know ourselves. And we must know who men are. You know, Jesus, in the book of John, chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus will not commit himself unto them because he knew what was in man. Praise the Lord. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 39, verse 9. If you can put that on the screen. Genesis chapter 39, verse 9. Look at what Joseph was saying, a man who knew the Lord. He said, there is no one that is greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. This was a man who knew the Lord. This was a man who knew the Lord. In the book of Daniel, Daniel 11.32, the Bible tells us that the people who do wickedly against God's covenant, they shall be corrupted with flatteries. But those that do know their God, they shall be strong and they will do exploits. It is very important that we know who our God is. It is important that we know who we are. It is also important that we know the men and the women around us. And then, last of all, when all these processes have been completed, God can reveal us to the world. Time will not permit me to talk about other people, examples of those who did not live in God's promises. We have somebody like Esau. Esau, for a piece of meal, he sold his birthright. And he was dislocated from the promises of God. We have a man called Gehazi. Gehazi, because of materials, because of material things and because of money, he lost the anointing that he was supposed to collect from Elisha. Do you know that if Gehazi had collected half of what Elisha had, Gehazi would have been equal to Elijah? How many of us know? If Gehazi had collected half, of what his master was carrying. He would have been an Elijah, but he lost all of that. We know a man called Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, he was a disciple who never became an apostle. And I pray that everything that God wants us to become, by the mercies of God, we will become in the name of Jesus. That our destinies will not be cut short. Judas Iscariot was a disciple. He went out, he did all the things that the other disciples did. But just at the nick of time, 
a few days or a few months to his promotion, he was cut short. And why was he cut short? He was cut short because of his appetite for money. The devil dislocated him. We have examples of um, Adam and Eve. They walked out of the Garden of Eden just because of a single fruit or whatever it was they ate. And this tells me something. A man who is going to live in the promises of God must, a man, must be a man that is obedient to the word of God. A man who is going to live in the promises of God must be a man that is obedient to the word of God. I know when I mention obedient, some people that are from certain parts of the world, there is somebody that will come to their mind, but that's not the person I'm talking about. We are talking about obedience to God's word. We must be obedient to the word of God. One of the prayers, or three prayers, that came out when I was doing this study, and I prayed them for myself, I'm praying that we also pray those prayers, is that our appetite will not take us away from God's promises. I spent a few minutes praying that prayer, that Lord, may my appetite not dislocate me away from your promise. Another prayer point that I prayed for myself, and I'm hoping we'll pray that prayer tonight, is that the Lord will give us the grace to submit to process. The Lord will give us the grace to submit to his transformation work. Because every one of us, as we are here, we are work in progress. God is doing something in our lives. But we need the grace to be able to submit totally to that process. Another prayer I prayed for myself is that the Lord will help me to stay planted in his house. And I'm praying that the Lord will help us to stay planted in his house, to stay planted in his will, both physically and spiritually. Last of all, as I begin to round off, there is a big similarity between Joseph and our Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at the story of Joseph and our Lord Jesus Christ, you will see certain things that are common. Joseph was sold out into slavery by his own brothers. And in like manner, our Lord Jesus Christ was sold out by his own people. Joseph would later become king or would later become the prime minister as a result of what men did to him or what God used men to do to him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, after he was betrayed, after he was crucified, he died, three days he rose, and today he is the king of kings. Joseph was a man who was disconnected from his own family, from wherever he was, and he was taken into a foreign land. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he was on earth here, and by virtue of what the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and everything they would do, they removed him from earth, and he went to heaven. I'm praying that God will help us to come to that place where Jesus can live through us. That God will help us to come to that place where the life that we live, it will no longer be us living that life, but our Lord Jesus living through us. Let us look at John chapter 1 verse 4. John chapter 1 verse 4. John chapter 1 verse 4. You want to put that on the screen, please. John chapter 1 verse 4. Talking about Jesus. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
it would have made sense, at least physical sense, if they said, in him was life, and the life was the life of men. Does it not make sense? Have I lost us? <laughs> I said it would have made sense, physical sense, if they had said, in him was life, and that life was the life of men. But scripture says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. What that tells me is that the life of Jesus illuminates. The life of Jesus illuminates. And if we understand that the life of Jesus illuminates, there are certain things that we will run away from. Because if we do those things, you know, if, um, sorry to use this example, if people from the other faith, if they do certain things that are evil, I hope you know it will not be very loud. But if a pastor does this, in fact, I've been reading through, I've been looking through papers, through, I've never seen where they said it's a news, um, an imam has divorced his wife. Have we seen that before? I've not seen that before. I've not seen where they say it's a news that, as in hearing bad things about other religion. But when it comes to Christianity, because the life that we live, which is the life of Jesus, is the light of men. And it is a life that illuminates. Every little thing is amplified. You know, nobody would have known that Judas Iscariot was a thief. If he was stealing in his environment, you know, just stealing, he would have died a thief. I mean, there were many thieves in his generation. There were people who were stealing. But because he came to Jesus, the life, which is the light of men, today the whole world knows that Judas Iscariot was a thief. Nobody would have known that Peter was a man who at times could be afraid. But because he came close to Jesus, because he was with Jesus, and Jesus is the life that is the light of men, everything about Peter was revealed. And bear in mind, I was telling us that some of the key things that needs to happen as we go through our journey as Christians as we live in his promises, is that number one, we will need to know who God is. Number two, we need to know who we are. And number three, we also need to know who the men around us, who they are. These three things are very important. And if there are singles here tonight, it is important that you have this life, which is the light of men. Otherwise, you will see that a young man will go and marry somebody that is supposed to be his enemy. You will see that a young man will go and marry somebody that is supposed to be somebody else's wife. I can't remember where I heard this, but it was like a prayer point. They said, pray that you do not marry, sorry, pray that you do not marry your enemy. Pray that you do not marry another person's wife. Pray that you do not marry, there is a third one, I can't remember what it is. But all of these can be avoided when we have the life of Jesus. We can get direction. We can get his help. We can get revelation. We can see the path that God wants us to walk through. If the path that God wants me and you to walk through is in the desert, if we are on that path, we are living in his promises. It doesn't matter. But if you leave that path and say, this path does not look like the path. It is this road, the broad way. This one looks clean. There are no turns. This looks, I mean, I'll be seeing houses as I'm going. Let me follow this path. You've stepped out of God's promises. Scripture says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end of that road is the ways of death. That is to say, 
when the man follows that road, by the time you get to the end, all the options, he says, it's the ways, any way you take from that point, except the Lord shows the person mercy. I'm praying that the Lord will help us to begin to live the life of Christ. This might not sound like the sort of message that we really want to hear. I mean, when you hear living in his promises, you would expect to hear something like, by next year, 10 million in your account. By tomorrow, all your prayers answered. That is part of it. But the truth is, we must understand that regardless of how it turns out, if God is involved, if God is leading us, if God is with us, we are living in his promises. Finally, what is the promise we are talking about? What is his promise? The promise we are talking about, right from Genesis, the Lord began to give us a promise. He said, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord began to tell us that. Moses began to tell the children of Israel, he said, God is going to raise a prophet like myself unto you. And Moses said, when God raises that prophet, you must listen to him. The promise we are talking about is our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here tonight, you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe I should announce to you that you've not started living. Our life starts when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In Jesus, the Bible tells us that all the promises of God are yea and amen. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus, they are yea and they are amen. I want us to be upstanding. I want us to pray. Or before we pray, rather, any questions? Any questions? Okay. Let's be upstanding. We are going to pray, and I'm trusting God that as we say these prayers, the Lord will answer us speedily in the name of Jesus. Let's first of all open our mouths and begin to say, Father, I thank you for the words we've heard. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for what you have told me tonight. I thank you, Lord Jesus. We've looked at living in the promises of God. Father, we thank you for your word that has come forth. Let's open our mouths and begin to thank the Lord. Let's begin to bless his name. Begin to bless his holy name. Say, Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. The first prayer I want us to pray is that the Lord will help us, that our appetite, our lust, will not remove us from living in the promises of God. We are going to say, Father, Father. I can't hear us, I'm hearing two persons. Say, Father, Father. may my appetite not remove me from living in your promise. Let's open our mouths and turn that into our prayers. You are going to pray and say, Father, may my appetite not remove me, O God, from your plan. May my appetite, may my desires not shift me away from your purpose. Let's open our mouths and begin to pray. Let's begin to pray that our appetite will not take us away from God. That nothing will be strong enough to remove us from the plan of God. Let's open our mouths and begin to pray. That nothing will be strong enough to remove us from God's plan. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
The second prayer point I want us to pray, we are going to pray and ask God to give us the grace to submit to his process. The grace to submit to his process. We are going to say, Father, I can't hear you. Say, Father, give me the grace to submit to your process, to submit to your leading, to submit to your workings. Let's open our mouths and begin to pray. Father, give me the grace to submit to your process. Give me the grace to submit to your will. Give me the grace, O God, to submit to your leading. Let's open our mouths and begin to pray. Lord, we ask for grace. The grace to follow you. The grace to obey. The grace to submit ourselves to your process. The grace to walk in the path that you are showing us. The Bible says your ear will hear a word saying, this is the way, walk in it. Father, give me the grace. The grace not to be rational when you speak. The grace not to become rational when you speak. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We hope you've been blessed by the word of God. The word is brought to you by RCCG Power Connections, 236 Meanwood Road, Leeds, LS72AH. For more inquiries, you can call 078-513-3702 or send an email to info at rccgpowerconnectionsleads.com. God bless you.